WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Easter Sunday. And yes, we're live on Easter Sunday. Uh, so happy Easter to everyone. Hope you uh, find all your Easter eggs you have hidden somewhere. Uh, we have a great show planned for today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some electric vehicles. We're going to talk a a little bit about the AAA Car Guide Award winners. Uh, the AAA folks uh, that I work with kind of across the country were at the New York International Auto Show, and they gave out some awards. We'll talk about that. And uh, our friend David Sutherland, who we talked to, he is the uh, he's the researcher who's kind of comes up with all these really interesting facts and interesting stories connected to pioneers and the car companies and all of that. He's going to be doing a presentation Saturday April 15th on automobile history and the pioneers behind building America's earliest automobiles. And that's going to be at the Attleboro Industrial Museum. Um, it's kind of right on that Main Street in Attleboro. Uh, but you ought you to go check out their website and find out what it is. He'll also be showing paintings of some of the earliest cars from 1891 to 1930. And he's going to have, uh, I don't know, some 50 or 60 paintings and giving some facts and interesting stories about the pioneers. Uh, sounds really interesting, but uh, check out the Attleboro Industrial Museum. The presentation is going to be April 15th, so it's uh, it's coming up just next Saturday. So check it out. Go see what David has to say. He was a real interesting guest on the radio. Uh, I was talking to Jamie Page Deaton. Jamie Page Deaton is, um, for the longest time, was the editor-in-chief of the automotive section of U.S. World and News Report, and now she is the editor-in-chief of Car Talk. And we got talking about electric vehicles, and she said to me, one of the things I want to do is I really like to get an electric car, but I don't want a new electric car. I want to take something like the first car I ever drove was a Volvo 240. I want to get that car and convert it to electricity. What do you think? Well, with us on the phone is Rob Ward. He is the CEO of Legacy EV. Rob, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. Thank you for uh, having me on. Well, first off, tell us a little about a little bit about Legacy EV and what you guys do. Yeah, Legacy EV is a parts distribution company and an educator. Uh, we sell fully integrated EV power plants for uh, the aftermarket. So we can pretty much take any car, any motorcycle. Um, we're working with boats, planes, street sweepers, airport tractors, pretty much you name it. If it has a motor, we can we can convert it to electric. And so, uh, so Jamie Page Deaton, the editor-in-chief of Car Talk, she's interested in, in a a Volvo 240 because she loves that kind of basic square shape of that car, but she'd like to do an electric conversion. So she could call your company and then work with maybe a local garage near where she lives in Virginia, and you guys could supply the parts for that? Yeah, we uh, train existing mechanics. We have curriculums for any level of knowledge in EV. So we have a high school elective course that, that some schools use uh, for kids. It's based on an RC car, um, and it's, it's STEM-based, so they're getting math and science. Uh, then we, we have junior college 
curriculums, tech school curriculums, and then we have a live in-person one-week certified technician program that's designed for existing mechanics to get the continuing education uh, to understand EV power plants and specifically the idea of a repower where you're taking a vehicle that's currently gas-powered, pulling out those components and installing the electric components. And this technology's changed quite a bit over the years. Years and years and years ago, I had a Renault LeCar that was converted to electric power by a company called the U.S. Electric Auto Association here in Massachusetts. And it, frankly, it was a horrible car. It had, I think it had six, it had 16 six-volt golf cart batteries uh, that were held in with like angle iron and threaded rod. It had a, uh, the electric motor was actually a generator from a GE aircraft engine that spun backwards and it was hooked up to the four-speed original transmission. And uh, it was, um, and I, I'm pretty sure it, it had so much battery weight, it had more weight than the tires were designed to handle. But that was, you know, 35 years ago. Now uh, things are so much different and the technology has changed so much that you're you're allowing people to build real cars. Yeah, we're seeing most of the stuff that we see get built uh, the weight of the vehicle stays around it's uh, right around the weight that it was, maybe 200 to maybe 400 pounds more than it, it was originally, uh, depending on the range people are trying to get out of it. Uh, the range we see is anywhere from a 100-mile range up to a 250, right up getting close to 300-mile range. That's, that's very impressive. And the idea that I know um, here in Massachusetts also there's Factory 5. They build Cobra kits and and Cobra GTs, and I know for SEMA last year they built an electric Cobra, which they're, ga- they're gas and oil guys. They like stuff that explodes and bangs and smells and do all kinds of stuff, but when they were done, they're like, you know, this electric conversion is pretty cool, and it is stupid fast, and they just designed it, I think, to have like a 100-mile range with it, but they were just so impressed with, you know, what electric power can do, even though they, like I said, they're true gas, gas and oil guys, and uh, but they, they really liked it. Tell me about um, how how is your company now? Um, all of a sudden, now you guys are on TV, right? Yeah, I mean, started the company back in 2019 after I drove a Tesla P100D. I, I was never into the electric car thing. I'm uh, an automotive enthusiast, grew up working at my grandfather's full-service gas station, you know, checking tires, washing windows at the age of 12. And I uh, just loved cars, drove a Tesla, could not believe the performance. So my, personally, I dove into this EV thing because I had over 20 years experience with electrical systems integration, loved cars, and couldn't believe the, the performance of that vehicle. So, um, yeah, started the company in 2019. It's grown year over year, four to 600 percent. Um, we were, you know, we, we've positioned, we're now positioned as the pretty much the face of aftermarket EV, partnered up pretty well with, with some big names in the industry, helping, I think we're up to 60 shops that are going through our authorized installers uh, training, 40 in the United States, 20 um, in other countries, I think we're in uh, nine countries total now. So um, there's a demand for this stuff. It's going well. And yeah, we were, we got a phone call from a studio saying, hey, 
We've got eight vehicles. These vehicles are 1918 to 1922, and if you've ever driven one of those, you'll you'll know they they even have a spark advance on the steering column, so it's like you can adjust your timing while you're driving it. And if, if you can do, you've never driven one of these cars, they're pretty complicated to drive. Um, and the actors were struggling to get the shot that was needed. Uh, the cars, they'd stall. Uh, weather was an issue. It was getting really cold. And so the director of transportation called and said, um, is this possible? And, you know, my, I'm putting my career on the line here. I, don't tell me you can do it if you can't do it. And uh, we said, no, this is possible. We shipped them the parts. Their mechanics did the majority of the work. And then the beauty of how we, how we do things is we had an authorized installer that was about four hours away. And if they had any issues, we said, we got them on speed dial. They'll, they'll come to the set and help you out. And that ended up happening. They, they needed the help. And so uh, one of our authorized installers went out there, got all the, the cars running, and um, was a success. And then actors could actually drive old cars and not stall them. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the simplicity of single-pedal driving, um, it weirds people out at first, the regenerative braking and how that system works, where it's actually charging the batteries when you're slowing down rather than you pushing the brakes. Um, but once you get used to it, it's, I mean, I could even tell watching the TV show, just the way the car moves is different, you know, when it's a single-speed electric-powered car, you know. Well, yeah, and and the idea that it 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 works, which I guess is the other thing. I mean, you think about you think about how all of these electric vehicles all kind of you know work together, and the simplicity in one way, the simplicity of it, versus the idea of having to balance something as as easy as for somebody who does it all the time, as easy as kind of giving it some gas and letting it clutch out, but trying to match engine speed, especially engine speed on a very fussy you know, two- or four-cylinder engine on an antique vehicle, the idea that all of a sudden you've made this simple is is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's really exciting to see. It's exciting to see how, how fast it's growing and, you know, the, the position we're playing in the market of we want to get anybody trained who wants to be trained. A lot of the shops we're working with, they're looking for more people. So for people out there who think they might be into this, going through the training uh, puts you in a great position for job opportunities. And then to watch so many shops get excited about doing an electric power plant um, and being able to help them. You know, the integration is, is, is the complicated part. You know, you're taking a motor and a battery and a charging system, uh, battery management, motor controller, and, you know, these manufacturers – there isn't a manufacturer that's really manufacturing the whole system, so you need an integrator to help you get the battery talking to the motor and the motor talking to the battery. And and when you include somebody like Legacy, you kind of get that one-stop shop, one neck to choke if the wheels aren't spinning. So uh, manufacturers love having us rep their products because a motor manufacturer doesn't get difficult calls about a battery. Um, and a battery manufacturer doesn't get calls about a motor. We take those calls. We support the customers. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been an exciting ride. It it sounds it sounds like it really has. And the idea of I I think the part that really impresses me the most is the idea that you provide the education. And whether it's like you said, high school 
you know, shop class education or whether it's hands-on automotive technicians that are learning how to do these kind of conversions. And the idea that you can provide, you know, whether it's uh, whether it's a drivetrain for a 1920s era car or truck or whether it's something that you're doing a, a relatively you know, late model conversion, uh, I think I think is really interesting. And the idea that you can do it with some of the, you know, maybe some of the, and some people would probably think it was kind of sacrilegious, but the idea you could do it to, you know, I, I, you know, pick pick something, a 59 Cadillac or something, or a 63 Lincoln Continental, and convert that to electric power, but still have it be that sort of 50s, 60s, super cool kind of um big car that they don't make anymore is really kind of interesting. Yeah, we actually were, I personally have a 1966 convertible Cadillac that we converted to electric two years ago, and it's a great, I think they're great vehicles to convert. The main reason I wanted to do that vehicle was to show people that even the heavy cars, this isn't just something you do for Volkswagen Beetles and smaller, lightweight cars. Um, we You can take a, a very large vehicle, convert it to electric, and the battery pack fit under the hood and where the uh, old gas tank used to be. So the, we did not disrupt the integrity of the trunk or the back seat. You know, you, you don't have to cut the car up to make it electric. And if if you haven't seen that car, you should check it out. It it won top fifty at Barrett Jackson um, two years ago, and uh, been in, featured in magazines. It's a beautiful car. Yeah, I think I, I want to say one of the first times I ever saw an old car converted to electric was uh, ZZ Top's Billy Gibbons had a car that I think he converted to had converted to an electric vehicle back at some point. And the idea that you know, you know, here's this here's this uh, you know crazy guitar player and you know wanted to build wanted to build a uh, electric electric and I don't remember what it was. I think it might have been a Cadillac or something. It was, but it was a pretty cool car. Yeah, now I don't remember either. That's, yeah, I'll yeah. Tell you why, I'm a caddy guy, though. I love, I love the Cadillacs, and and yeah, the the training. We just got done with a one week in person training. We do them once a month at our facility, and I, I tell people it's it's like summer camp. People fly in from all over the world. I think we had three different countries represented this time, and uh, the first day they get there, they don't know anybody. Um, and by the third day, they're we're, we're in Phoenix, so by the third day, they're renting electric scooters and like bar hopping after class together and by friday it's like this kumbaya moment where everybody's like i can't believe the week's already over i've learned so much while i was here and i've made friends that i'm going to be friends with for life and for us at legacy that's probably i can speak for the team and say probably our favorite thing about what we're doing is seeing seeing people who are in the automotive industry invest in their future and come do it through us where we get to hang out for a week, meet cool people, and teach them some cool stuff, and then uh, stay in touch for who knows how long, you know. Yeah, I I think you know, and I've and I've even when I've talked to kids at trade schools, I've I've tried to tell them that it's sort of, um, you know, the the people you you make friends with and you learn with. You know, become your sort of, and I'm dating myself, your electronic Rolodex. These are people that you, you're going to, you built this kind of relationship with, but you can rely on them and call them up and say, hey, look, I'm doing this, but I'm having trouble with this. Have you ever done this? And because you kind of bonded together for that, 
week of training, you, you you know, a lot of times that sticks and it works out really well. Yeah, when you can put faces with names, something we talk about internally as a company is people want to buy from people. They don't want to buy from companies. So when when these people come from all over the world to take this training, like at lunchtime, we we shut everything down and everybody goes and eats lunch together, and it's just trying to build rapport with our customers. So like, you know, if you got ten different, you don't have ten different places you can buy this stuff right now. But when you do, this is what's going to set us apart from the rest is that we have relationships with our customers. You know, and you know when you're when you're uh, kind of looking at all this and you're working together, is there a certain I mean, this sounds kind of weird, but is there a certain type of technician that shows up in this? Is it kind of young techie type technicians? Is it is it middle aged, you know, mm-hmm. people? Is it is it uh, you know is it like kind of you know uh, women into the automotive industry, or is it just sort of some melting pot of stuff? Of you know, we've had I, it's it's a total melting pot, and the, I'll I'll tell you one of the reasons why. When we are working with a college, like we're working with a college in Australia and one in Canada that are using our curriculums in their schools, they send their instructors to the in-person training at our facility. So we call it train the trainer. So we're right. training, their trainers are going to go back. And and then we have, like, you know, uh, social media influencers who are in the automotive industry who want to understand more. We have... You know, I think I can say middle. I'm I'm 40, so that's uh, can we call that middle age? Like guys, well, who are yeah. in, the, <laughs> in the been in the automotive industry, but aren't ready to be done. You know, I, we we don't see a lot of guys that are towards the end of their career. We see people who are either getting started or have enough time left in it that they they want to be part of this transition. You know. Um, and but yeah, it's it's some mechanics, it's some instructors from schools. Uh, this last time uh, we had a couple fourteen-year-olds that were in the class. One of them was on spring break, and her father brought her out for it. And she's building her first car, and so she's going places. I'll tell you that she's yeah very ambitious, and it's again exciting to see it and be a part of it. I was just looking at uh, I guess your 1966 Caddy Deville. Um, mm. First off, it looks like it's two inches off the ground. It's actually on the ground, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have this. You have this lowered caddy convertible. Uh, looks like looks like custom made, oversized. Looks like it's got running twenty inch wheels on it or something, and it yep. is just so impressive looking. Uh, and under the hood. You you put kind of a variation of the Caddy logo under there, which is pretty cool, too. Yeah, it was actually a gift from a, a very good friend of mine who's a painter. I bought just a, a metal cutout of a Caddy emblem, and it sat in my office. And he came to the shop one day, and he took it off the wall and said, uh, I'll give you this back in a couple weeks. And he took it home, and being a, a painter, he he airbrushed it and, and clear-coated it and made it look the way it looks now. And so... I surprised him when we were building the car, and uh, made that the centerpiece under the hood. Yeah, it it does look real pretty. Now, is there is there sort of an average cost if someone has the vehicle? Is there sort of an average cost to do a sort of 
middle of the road conversion, you know, battery controllers, uh, uh, yeah. motors. Uh, is there some something in there somewhere that you know? Is it a hundred thousand dollars? Is it one hundred and fifty thousand? What kind of? Where's the price? Yeah, so let's let's give all the listeners a few seconds to sit down. I don't want any of them standing up when we start no. talking dollars. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's not that bad. I mean, right now the the range. I'll tell you the 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 most inexpensive kit we offer is about sixteen thousand. The most expensive kit that we offer is about eighty-five thousand. Um, I know that's a wide range, but now let's talk about size of vehicle. Is it four-wheel drive? Is it not four-wheel drive? Uh, the weight of the vehicle is a big part of it. And then, are you looking to get a hundred-mile range or a two hundred and fifty-mile range? Because the battery is the most expensive part of the entire system, and um, if it's a vehicle that a hundred-mile range works for you, you're going to save five ten thousand dollars right there um and you know the eighty five thousand dollar power plant i mean this this is a motor that set the world record for the fastest electric vehicle on the planet and uh um i mean it's the horsepower and torque i think we're a thousand foot pounds of torque at the motor shaft so it's a very very powerful system we've built some cars that are, are up to like 3,000 foot-pounds of torque with, with some gearing. So, um, you know, we're if, now if I'm going to tell you what is the average of, you know, all of the power plants that are going out the door, probably 35,000 Okay, on average. I mean, I, I was just recently at a Cars and Coffee event, and I want to say people were putting that kind of money into paint jobs. People were putting that kind of money into, you know, 383 stroker engines, uh, you know, yeah. people are putting serious money into engines, so that isn't, it's still staggering to me, but for people who are enthusiasts and they put that kind of money into their vehicles, it's not yeah. quite as scary as it sounds. No, I think that, you know, we we dove into the classic car market for two reasons. One, because it's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, two, People who are have over a hundred thousand dollars into a classic car, like you say, they they do have the appetite for that type of spend on on a motor. It's not, and I'm you know I've been doing uh, you know classic car restoration for a long time, and there is a you know uh, we're trying to get we're working on it. We're hoping to release it at SEMA, uh, a power plant that is under ten thousand dollars. Um, I think there is a market for that. There's a lot of people who would be interested in getting into this. They, it's just pricey enough that it doesn't make sense for them. And, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of my years, you know, in that in that group of, of I love the cars, but I can't, I can't afford a $200,000. Yep. You know, it's a lot of money. Um, so it's it's something we we focus on pretty hard. How do we how do we get this to market? And we're getting really darn close. And obviously, the more volume it gets pushed to this stuff, all, all the all the costs are going to come down. I mean, we have manufacturers that two years ago they were selling eight of their gearboxes a month, and now they're getting individual orders for four hundred and fifty. Wow! You know what I mean? So that's the kind of growth people are seeing in this in this aftermarket space that. Um, once manufacturing of this stuff gets, you know, what if if I got to make four hundred a month instead of eight a month, I can get my costs down. 
So we'll we'll see pricing come down. Yeah, I I, I guess it's just like everything else. It's it's all about uh, economies of scale, and that's and that's where it all where it all starts. And 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 again, the idea that you're you're putting all of this together, and if it does actually happen that um, that you can put you can do all of this and you can do it for ten thousand dollars. All of a sudden, that is a conversion for somebody who says, "Hey, look, I have a pick something. I have a I have a Volkswagen Beetle convertible, and I just want to make it different. And if I can drop a little electric motor and a battery pack and a controller in there and the ability to charge it up, and maybe it only has a hundred mile range, and a hundred mile range does everything I need it to do." you know, five out of seven days a week. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I, I totally get range anxiety. We're used to a gas powered car where I could roll up to a gas station and in five minutes be back on the road where you make me drive an electric car and it takes 45 minutes to eight hours to charge it. Um, all of a sudden, how far can I go? That car means something different. Um, we're seeing battery technology coming out right now uh, in testing that is way faster at charging, but what I like to remind people, you, you just brought it up, is, um, you know, 95% of daily commutes are 60 miles or less. So if you have a 100-mile range, you can daily drive that vehicle. Now, you might not be doing a road trip with it, um, but for your day-to-day driving, that works for most people. Um, so we get a lot of customers who, who want as much range as they can get, but just remember, more battery equals more weight. The car drives totally different if you put double the size battery pack in it. Right, and and I I've always said the people that have the biggest concerns about range anxiety don't own an electric car uh, because yeah. once once you kind of fall into that, you know, I charge up my tablet, I charge up my phone, I charge up my laptop. I'm just going to plug mm-hmm. in my car at night. And it just becomes routine, and it and it goes. Hey, Rob, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your uh, Easter Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. If people want more information about the company, where do they go, and how do they find out more information? Yeah, go check us out. Uh, websites legacyev.com and all the all the social media channels at Legacy EV. So. Um, yeah, if anybody has any questions, you'll get contact info through there, and team will take care of you. And especially the idea of the educators that want to that want to provide a base of EV education for their students, whether it's like you said, high school, trade school, or whatever. Yeah. The idea that you have all that, I think, is fantastic. I think the more people learn about electric vehicles, maybe an electric vehicle isn't for them, but the more they learn about it, and the more they take the mystery out of it, and the more they understand it, I think it's uh, better all the way around. Yeah, one of the benefits, one of the biggest benefits of our education programs are that they are product agnostic. We're not the manufacturer of anything. I'm not trying to pitch you a, a specific motor. We work with 60 different manufacturers, and we tailor our curriculums to give you a broad understanding of all the systems you could come in contact with. And we even have Mercedes techs and Ford techs going through our training as a baseline, and then they go to the Mercedes training to learn about the axial flux motor that's actually in the Mercedes that they're working on. Um, so, yeah, product agnostic training, um, I think that's a, that's a big plus. Great stuff. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, have a great rest of the week, and I hope you find all your Easter eggs. <laughs> Thank you. Happy Easter. Uh, all right. Take care. Bye-bye. We need to take a break and pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back.
Let's get real. Unlock your potential with an Abington Bank Get Real checking account. When you're always on the go, you need a bank that doesn't hold you back. Well, can you say no fees? That means no monthly account fees, free mobile banking, and free online bill pay. Plus, you can get a cash bonus when you sign up. Visit your local branch or abingtonbank.com to open an account today. Free yourself from fees with a Get Real checking account at Abington Bank. Unlock your potential. Member FDIC. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Talk Radio with the South Shore Point of View. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night, after the 6 o'clock news, here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD on this Easter Sunday morning. Uh, AAA, uh, kind of in conjunction with the National Office and AAA in California, does something called the AAA Car Guide. And the AAA Car Guide is um, pretty pretty interesting because it, it, um, when it, when it first came out, it was pretty generic, I guess. Uh, but since then, it has focused kind of on, if you will, green cars. And this year, um, the AAA Car Guide, uh, they, did, uh, they did awards at the uh, New York International Auto Show. And um, the overall winner, which earned the top score for the 2023 edition of the AAA Car Guide, uh, was uh, the BMW iX uh, xDrive 50. Uh, which earned the top overall score. There was only one category that wasn't electric, and that was the gasoline-powered Kia Carnival, which is in the minivan category. Um, another interesting one was uh, the little electric truck company and SUV company, I guess, Rivian, uh, had two models, uh, the pickup truck winner and uh, and also what's called the uh, R1S Launch Edition SUV, which is basically the same platform. They just built an SUV around it. I have only seen two Rivians in my lifetime. Uh, one was at uh, what's called Spark Day. The people at Spark Charge up in Somerville had a day, and they had a Rivian up there, and that was the first first one I saw. And just the other day in traffic, I was stuck in traffic uh, and I saw a Rivian pickup truck behind me. In fact, the more I looked, it seemed like the more electric vehicles I saw. There was a uh, Mustang Mach-EV, lots of Teslas on the road, um, uh, Volkswagen ID four, I guess it was, uh, but all pretty interesting. Um, the car guide includes the reviews of the vehicles. A little disappointed they never asked me about them. Uh, but also, uh, they include a number of the um, advanced driver f- uh, assistance features. So here's the, here's the winners in the categories. Overall, the BMW iX xDrive 50 
in the small car category, and I think this is a great choice, the 2022 Chevrolet Bolt uh, EV, and it's the 2LT. That's the kind of a little bit fancier model, I guess. Uh, a great, great little vehicle. And I'm not sure. You could, you'd have to check the uh, – uh, it's, it's the uh, – Green Consumers Guide, I think, or Green Consumers, something like that. Uh, we've had the, their folks on the show before, but they kind of put together all of the pieces in Massachusetts where you can get the best deal on an electric car. And at one point, and it was, I think it was early in the year or late last year, just when Chevrolet started selling cars again, you could buy a Chevrolet Bolt EV, providing you qualified for all the tax incentives and all that stuff, for about $21,000, which almost makes it the cheapest car on the road in the mid-sized car category a vehicle i've never driven the bmw i4 in the large or luxury category another vehicle i haven't driven uh is the um, mercedes-benz eqs uh 584 matic um it's a version of the, the s series sedan uh electric uh I've heard mixed reviews about it. Um, some people really like it because of the technology. Some people think there's a little too much of it there. Uh, best vehicle under $35,000, Toyota Camry Hybrid. Uh, that's a vehicle I actually just recommended to a reader. We'll get into that. And, again, best vehicle over fifty k that IX. And it just happens to be that I'm driving a BMW iX, and it's the first all-electric vehicle I've driven in quite a while. And, well, let's just talk about it. The BMW iX is BMW's first all-electric SUV. The iX comes in two trim levels, the xDrive 50 and the subject of our road test, the higher-performance uh, iX M60. As in other BMW models, the M signifies a performance upgrade. The standard iX comes with two electric motors that produce a very healthy 516 horsepower. The M option ups the horsepower to an almost ridiculous 610 horsepower. Like all electric vehicles, the power is instantaneous and torque numbers, that kind of feeling of getting pushed back in the seat, are staggering. 449 foot-pounds of torque um, that's a lot of torque, and apparently if you use launch control, and I don't know why you ever would, but if you use launch control, the torque numbers climb up over 800. Uh, the range is pretty impressive. It's a stated range of 280 miles, although when fully charged the fuel gauge, I guess you'd want to call it, uh, the range was closer to 320 miles. Charging time varies based on the type of charger used and the amount of electricity available. I don't have a charger at my home, so I need to charge with um, a 110-volt outlet. This is incredibly slow, and overnight only added 30 miles of range to the large battery pack. Level 2 charging is accomplished with a full charge overnight, and level 3 can add about 90 miles of range in 10 minutes. So if you can find level three where i'm located right now there are two level two charging stations which also happen to be municipal and they're free they're fairly slow but compared to the 110 volt outlet that my car was plugged into now um is pretty fast where it would take i think i wanted to put 40 or 50 miles of range back into the car at least overnight to do that at home couple hours to do that at a level two charging station so it did bring up 
the mileage a little bit quicker. Um, BMW is pretty tricky, though. They have this very heavy-duty-looking charging cord. It's it's uh, it cable's going to be an inch around. But what's interesting is you can disconnect the 110 volt into it, put a 240 volt plug on the end of it, and if you have a convenient like dryer outlet plug, you can plug it in that, and essentially you're getting level two charging. It's not a charging station, but it's 240 volts going to the battery, and it will charge it up a lot quicker. So no special equipment needed other than just the outlet, just the plug. Uh, so um, I tried to see if I could back the car really close to my house and reach my dryer outlet, but it wouldn't quite fit. So uh, so I settled in with level one charging. Um, I drove the car about 250 miles one day, so almost out of electricity. Now, the stated range was 280. The range actually really was 320 is what it said on the charge gauge. Um, I did that on Thursday, and it's this morning it's fully charged. So it took that long to charge on 110 volts. So really long time on 110 volts. And again, that's not something you really want. Uh, you want to be able to charge on. You want to have a 240 volt outlet at your home where you can charge up. Uh, on the road, this iX with the M option is incredibly fast, but also handles really well. The ride's comfortable. The brakes are powerful. The steering's light at low speed. It firms up nicely. It's uh, nicely weighted. It feels like BMW steering is supposed to feel. Uh, some electric vehicles use regenerative braking, which adds range as you decelerate, and Rob talked about that a little bit, and can feel kind of intrusive when driving. The braking system on the iX felt quite normal, traditional. You can put it into brake mode where you can do one-pedal driving. Uh, that was actually kind of handy. I did that when uh, I was stuck in traffic, so I just didn't have to just keep gas gas accelerator brake and not gas accelerator and brake um there's also a setting that you can change from comfortable to eco to sporty uh what i found interesting was in sport mode you don't lose any range um unless you drive i guess over enthusiastically but it firms up the steering and and suspension and uh i, I, I like it uh the cabin's quite comfortable the seats are supportive have plenty of adjustments but my wife pointed out and she's five five there's a design in the seat that has like a squarish emblem thing, like under the head restraint. And at her height, she's not up against, if she sits back in the seat, she's not up against the cushion. She's up against this trim piece, which is like, that would get uncomfortable. I mean, nobody should drive with their head right against the head restraint. But if you did, you're not going to like the metal thing that's there or whatever it's made out of. Um, the uh, dash is really interesting. It's this BMW curved display with a configurable 12.3-inch instrument cluster and a 14.9-inch central information display, and it looks like a curved TV sitting on top of the dash. It's really kind of interesting looking. The multi-input uh, iDrive 8 system is operated by voice, touchscreen, iDrive, uh, touchpad controller. There's also a head-up head display with augmented view on the touchscreen, which, um, which is when it's in navigation and you're about, you know, where the navigation is going to tell you up here you take a right or a left, it flips on the front video camera. So you're actually overlaying the directions with what you're really seeing in front of you. So it's like, oh, here's the intersection, and it shows these arrows that you're supposed to turn right or left. It's, it's pretty interesting looking. The voice command system, 
um, worked really well. It's I think it's the best voice command system I ever used where I could tell it to raise the temperature, change the volume, find a different radio station. It works really good, but there's a bit of a lag when you tell it to do something. And our brain says, is it going to work? Is it going to work? Is it going to work? And when that happens, you kind of go into uh, distraction mode a little bit. So even as good as it is, it's I still want buttons. That's what it comes down to. I want buttons. So uh, so it's good. Also, the display screen, the, the, the uh, instrument panel display has a ton of information on it. It looks like my iPad. There's there's 50 apps on there. Um, way too much stuff to try to look at when you're on the road. Maybe you just kind of center around two or three of them. But there's still a lot going on there, and I don't know, a little too much for me. Other safety features include driving assistant, front collision warning, active blind spot, lane departure warning, speed information, uh, uh, safe exit, which uh, beeps in, you know, if you open the door and a bike rider's going by, it kind of lets you know that. Uh, the electric vehicle also uses electric buttons to open and close the doors. And the outside handle, you kind of stick your hand under the handle. There's a button there. Um, I'm not sure how good that would work if you were wearing gloves. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't tried a pair of gloves, so I don't know. But it seems like if you were wearing winter gloves and your car was outside, might not open. You might have to take your gloves off to open the door. To open the door from the inside, there's also buttons, but there's also a redundant lever just in case of some electrical failure. You know, the car just quits and you're locked in the car and you can't unlock the button. There's a little hidden lever. Also, you can't easily open the front hood on this. It's not that they lock the hood shut, but they make it really hard to figure it out. So there's levers on each side that are sort of hidden. There's no reason to do it. To add windshield washer, the BMW logo on the hood tilts open, and that's where you pour the windshield washer in. Um, again, I guess BMW says, hey, there's no reason to look under the hood. Don't look under there. Um, so kind of just weird, I guess. Uh, fit and finish overall is typical BMW. Very good. But the front doors have this weird noise. Mercedes-Benz, for instance, and every Mercedes vehicle that I ever have driven, you close the door and it sounds like a bank vault. On this, and BMWs usually do pretty good, and they're soft closed doors, so you can just close it and it'll slowly close. But if you get out of the car like you do with every other car and close the door, it makes kind of a odd bargain basement clank. Um, I mean, it's a great car. It feels real solid, but still. Uh, overall, the BMW uh, iX M60 is an impressive electric SUV that offers a blend of uh, luxury performance, environmental friendliness. It's an excellent choice for drivers with a generous budget who are looking for a premium car. And, uh, you know, they want the latest cutting-edge technology in a range that rivals many gasoline cars. So I think, uh, I think it's a good choice for a lot of people. So if they want to give it a try, you know. And on top of that, it is the AAA Auto Guide winner. So certainly worth certainly worth looking at and 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 seeing what's there. And uh, I I think it's I think it's a car that um, can certainly appeal to an awful lot of people for different things. There was um, we had these folks on the show before um, when we were. Um, 
AAA kind of did a Shark Tank sort of thing with a, with a, another company. I think it was called the Innovation Studio. And what they did is they um, they they did a um, award. And um, I want to talk about that when we come back. Why don't we take another break? If you would like to join us on this Easter Sunday, 781-837-4900, we'll talk to you about whatever's on your mind about cars. But I want to talk about... Uh, AAA and the, uh, this Innovation Award, uh, because it also focuses on electric vehicles and charging. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Spring is here, and it's time to get your golf swing back in order. That means it's also time to stop by Winslow's Kitchen Bar and Range at Green Harbor Golf Club. Winslow's Top Tracer Range Technology will help you dial in your game, and their Power T automatic reteeing system makes your range session easier than ever. Still feeling that early spring chill in the air? No problem. Winslow's 16 covered bays are all heated, too. So break out your clubs, hit a bucket, grab a bite and a beer at Winslow's Kitchen Bar and Range at Green Harbor Golf Club in Marshfield. You make it big in motorsports, but the real reward for most is the thrill of the adrenaline and the chance to hold the checkered flag. I'm Miles Heger. The excitement and danger of motor racing are the reasons drivers love to race and why fans show up. Join me and my guests each week as we discuss the local short tracks while also sharing opinions and insight on NASCAR's National Series. Tune in to Miles on Motorsports Tuesday nights at 7 here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD, your South Shores radio station. Well, local entrepreneurs celebrated for completing the AAA Northeast Premier Accelerator program. What's that all mean? Well, thank Shark Tank. Uh, Stepwise, a Cambridge, Massachusetts-based startup company, won the first place award and startup grant in uh, we call the Driving 2043, an accelerated program for startup entrepreneurs focused on electric vehicle and transportation industry. Uh, about a week or so ago, five companies gathered in Providence for pitch night. I wish I could have gone to that. Um, to an audience of local investors, businesses, and savvy team of judges. I want to know who the savvy team of judges was. Uh, designed by Innovation Studio and AAA Northeast, the Driving 2043 program supports local entrepreneurs through a three-month education program. AAA Northeast executives uh, mentored and offered insight to the startups from a perspective of large-scale organizations that serve as a leader in environmental, uh, social, and governance strategies. Stepwise developed a device that allows homeowners to install an EV charger at a reduced price point by using software to get around the need for electrical upgrades. Uh, it means a lot for the early stage startup like Stepwise to get support and confidence of a larger organizational uh, organization like AAA. According to Jane Chen, she's the 
co-founder of Stepwise. We're excited to partner with AAA and its affiliates over the long run in support of an electrified vehicle future. This grant will enable us to complete our brand revamp and start deploying our consumer marketing campaign to educate homeowners on the hidden costs of electrification. Yeah, it can get kind of expensive, and the idea that somehow they're using software, we got to... Maybe we can hook up with these people and find out how this works. But sometimes, you know, say you're say you live in an old older hot house. My, you know, my other home is a seasonal cottage. It has a hundred amp electrical service. Could I put a fifty amp car charger on the side of the house? Probably not easily. And if I did, I would have to shut off other stuff, I guess. So maybe through some kind of software system, it switches stuff on and off. I don't know. I'd be kind of interested to see how it works. Uh, also, um, the other finalists included a company called Florent, an ultra capacitor manufacturer delivering uh, dense and efficient electric uh, uh, power. So ultra capacitors store up energy. Uh, if you've ever, if you're old like me, and you've ever decided to trick one of your coworkers in the garage you you and you remember cars that had points and condensers you would take the condenser and you would put it near a spark plug wire and you would charge up the condenser with high voltage so 10,000 20,000 volts and you would leave this condenser just sort of sitting around doing nothing just sitting in you know in the way and a condenser is a little thing about the size of a small spool of thread smaller than that and you have it all charged up with electricity and you uh somebody picks it up and they get a little shock and you and everybody laughs and thinks it's funny except the person who did it who usually throws it at you afterwards but uh but uh, you know uh, ultra capacitors store huge amounts of electricity and what they do is uh depending on how they work is uh, electric vehicles use the most amount of current when you're accelerating. So if you can store up c- capacity in, in, in one of these capacitors, store up uh, current. So when you go to accelerate, it just kind of uses that electricity and doesn't use it from the battery. So it doesn't cycle the battery quite as much. Another company called Move EV, an intelligent software uh, helping employers and municipalities decarbonize. Not sure what that even really means. I guess I do, but, you know, a company called Points, a crowdsourced data platform and mapping tool to help cyclists plan safe routes. Senso Drive, a marketplace for commercial buildings to monetize EV charging. Um, I, think the, I think the commercial vehicle, commercial buildings kind of already have part of that figured out where you put a charging station on front and you charge a fee to use it. And Stepwise, a hardware product that optimizes a building's electricity for EV charging, which sounds a lot like the, um, the winner's uh, uh, Stepwise. So we'll have to figure out a little bit more information about Stepwise and figure out what they're up to. Uh, but it, sound, it sounds really kind of interesting. And Innovation Studio manages the Roxbury Innovation Center, um, District Hall in Seaport, Boston, and the Biz Bodega in the Small Business Support Center in Providence. So uh, that's what they do. So a pretty, pretty interesting thing, and pretty interesting that AAA is involved with. I, I found that I found that really interesting that that we were involved in. Uh, you know, again, kind of Shark Tankish of sorts. So. Um, Used car prices, are you wondering where they're going? Well, they've gone down some, and uh, but today that number went down a little bit more. Uh, 
it moved up about eight point one percent, and it was kind of it was kind of funny. I did a TV interview about used car prices, and said that uh, based on you know talking to different people, you know, used car prices have gone down and they've gone down steadily enough where it showed a real trend. Now they haven't gone down really really low, but they have gone down, and that tells us that. You know, there is maybe there is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for used car prices. Uh, somebody said to me, yeah, but they just went up last week. A week or two doesn't make a trend. Month after month after month makes a trend. And uh, according to the folks at IC Cars, uh, that number has moved 8.1% or about $3,700 below the average of, uh, for instance, new car asking price representing a 16.6% total shift according to um, new car analysis of 800 uh, million new and lightly used cars for sale between February and March. So it looks like they're sort of going in the right direction, I guess. Um, some of the most expensive new versus lightly used cars, um, if you were going to go buy an Audi e-tron, buy it used. It went down $22,000. If you're going to buy a Mercedes E-Class, buy or C-Class rather, buy it used. It went down 24%. It went down $13,000. If you were going to buy a Nissan Titan pickup truck or a Chevrolet Silverado pickup truck, they've gone down $13,000, $14,000. So there is some, you know, there is some numbers that are in there that are certainly worth looking at. So... Uh, some of the questions that came in from the uh, from the car doctor mailbag this week, um, we got we got some pretty interesting ones, and and one of them actually came from a, a co-worker, I guess, who said uh, they're thinking about uh, buying an electric vehicle, and they wanted to know what charging stations I've heard the best about, what home charging is working working out best. Um, People have been very happy with a, a company called Juicebox. They make a home charging system. It's it, it, it works really well. The other one that I also told this person to look at is from Emporia Energy. We had the folks from Emporia on, and they make a, a bi-directional charging station that you can, um, that you can uh, if your utility allows it, you can take electricity from your car and put it back on the grid, sort of like how solar panels sort of do it. Uh, but they also have, um, have a... They have a home charging station, level two home charging. I think it's as low as three or four hundred dollars. Um, somebody wrote to me and said, "I drive a 2011 Honda Accord V6, which is the best car I have ever owned. However, it has over 121,000 miles on it. I'd like to buy either a Honda Accord or a Toyota Hybrid with the highest horsepower. Which would you recommend based on reliability, good looks, price, etc.? I'm in my late 70s and I don't want a car that's too high tech." But it should have an AM/FM radio. Well, that might be harder to think than you say because some car manufacturers are doing away with AM radio, and there's kind of a shift. Um, I think Volvo might have been the first one that started to do that. Maybe BMW did too. But the Toyota Camry and Honda Accord hybrids are both really good cars. Um, they're not super high horsepower. They're around 200 horsepower. Uh, probably very similar to your Honda Accord. Might have been 240, maybe. Um, maybe less in 2011. Uh, the hybrid drivetrain will give it that little bit more of a punchy feel uh, to be able to you know, feel like it when you step on it. It takes, 
it takes off a little bit better. Um, I would lean towards the Camry because it comes with more advanced driver assistance features than the Accord. Uh, but in this case, where this person says, I'm in my late 70s and don't want a car that's too high-tech, all these cars are going to be high-tech. And to steal from uh, George Kennedy, our auto writer friend, who says it's as important to road test the tech as it is to road test the car, this is one of those cases where that's it. You might get in a Honda Accord or a Toyota Camry Hybrid and say, I really like this car, but you don't like the technology inside the car. Um, personally, I prefer the layout of the Camry, uh, but the Accord for you might even feel more familiar. So um, try them out and also drive them at night and see what you think of how the headlights work and things like that. Um, is it the right, you know, is are you comfortable driving the car at all times? Somebody else wrote to me and says, this is a simple question, I think. Are all-season tires the best investment in tires? Um, all-season tires work the best in areas in the Northeast. If you live where there's heavy snow or routine ice storms, there's nothing better than a dedicated winter tire. Keep in mind also, all-season tires are a bit of a compromise since they need to perform well in the winter and summer. Also, all-season tires uh, that you buy in the Northeast are the same all-season tires you buy in Phoenix. So uh, Rob Ward, where he is out in Arizona, out in Tempe, Arizona, I think is where he is. You know, you're going to buy the same all-season tire in Marshfield that you're going to buy in Arizona. So they have to be a little bit of a compromise. But for the most part, are all-season tires the best investment? They're the tires that are going to work best for most people. So I think it is. Well, that music means we have used up an hour of your time. I want to wish everyone a happy Easter. And if you were celebrating Passover, uh, happy Passover as well. Uh, until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. And if you do see an emergency vehicle like a tow truck, a police car, an ambulance, a fire truck by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.